spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Uh, not too bad. Yep. Like, pretty, pretty decent. I think all things considered, I, I've mostly cycled through the COVID. I think I've got like a slight congestion, <clears throat> a little like, you know, chesty stuff, but. Well, it's been six days now since you tested positive, which I don't know. Do We talked last week about how you might have been exposed, and obviously you were. That was two days before you, in fact, so you had it then. You you were, you were had COVID then. You just didn't realize it. Were you shocked? Yeah, I wasn't testing positive until that Monday. Um, so was I shocked? No, no, not really. I actually, not. I went to bed Sunday night, like feeling totally fine. Woke up two hours into my sleep. And was like, my throat hurts. Yeah. my Like it was like snap of fingers kind of thing. Wild. It was weird how quickly it came on. And I so I didn't have a great sleep. And I woke up being like, I got a test. Like this is going to be bad. And it was a negative test. And I was like ready for it to be a negative test. I was like, yep, there it is. Okay. Yeah. So it was a positive test, you mean? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. It was a negative result for me. It, uh, yes, it, it was a bummer result. It was negative yes. for your spirit. Um, right. Because I had had friends who had had it the week before you had it, I, something kind of clicked in my brain when you got it. And I've spent the last week, uh, it feels more inevitable than ever. And I don't mean, mm-hmm. I don't mean to sound like a, like a pessimist or a martyr or, or just like I've, I've given up either, but it's just, um, yeah. is, do you find it illusion shattering at all? Because there's been two years of hype. Must be kind of surreal. Um. Yeah, it's weird that I was like, I was trying to not get it for two years and eventually I, I got it. Um, yeah, there was a, a moment there, like on like the second or third day where I was like waking up with night sweats and was like, oh shit, like, mm. uh-oh, COVID. But, you know, it went away like like I expected it to. And and uh, I'm hoping, I haven't done anything athletic. Like we haven't left the house. Like you're allowed to leave for like hour long walks and stuff. We haven't done that because it feels a little strange. But I yeah. think we are going to go out for like a walk on like kind of like side streets today. It says like one hour, keep like two meters away from people. And we're not not going to go like walk the lake or anything where there's going to be a ton of people just like kind of around. And this is like, day seven. Streets that are... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. So, yeah, um, it's uh, uh, it's I'm happy to like have this like three months where i'm going to have a heightened uh level yeah. of a immune response although i've i've read articles where it's like and then i got covid again in the same month um so well timing could be- timing could be an enemy and there could be like a new outbreak of a different variant that you're not immune to right totally and so yeah, six exactly. weeks from now we might all be fearing for our lives again who knows? And and so it was it was two uh, it was four people in my class that ended up having COVID at the same time and a bunch of instructors. And then um, apparently like two more people just tested positive or one person tested positive today. The other person has symptoms and it's kind of just waiting to test positive. So I kind of got it on a good week because yeah. it's, you know, short week. It's a three day week for us. Um, so to not miss that much time and you know get it out of the way it, although i was like so excited for the easter long weekend like i was like <laughs> i know it's gonna be great it's gonna be a short week and then we get a long weekend and then we get another short week this is like such a good payoff like and then i ended up getting covid and just being sick well yeah but i consumed a lot of content 
Good, good. Because there's actually not a lot of entertainment news to talk about. Um, it's it's kind of a lean week. And maybe that's just because it has been like back-to-back holiday weeks. Um, yeah. But even I haven't watched a whole lot of new stuff, namely because I'm just addicted to a couple of things. And so I can't tell you mm-hmm. about like movies that I've watched or anything. Right. You're still in Euphoria Zone. How's Euphoria going? I've watched exactly half of the episodes of Euphoria because they're like an hour and five minutes long. And so you can't really, yeah. you can't binge them. And I wait until Becky goes to bed for me to put one on. And so I finished. I'm surprised that Becky's not into it. Well, she is because I've been talking about it enough that she's like, okay, fine. But she's like four or five episodes behind me. And so yeah, yeah, we're yeah. able to discuss it, although not in equal measure, because I know what she knows, but not vice versa. And so, like, I'm just asking her what she's gotten to at this point. And obviously, right. we're, we're sharing reactions of of being shocked, shocked and appalled <laughs> by, right. by what we see. This kind of strange thing happens. And I don't remember reading about this, although I wasn't tuned into Euphoria News in its first year. Um there appear to be 10 episodes in the first season, but actually there are only eight. But there's a season one, episode nine and 10, because at some point during early pandemic... They did like a Christmas special and like a pandemic special or something. Yeah, That's correct. That's right. And so the so Christmas weird. special is really aformatic for Euphoria, which has great performances and great dialogue and just like generally really good stories, but namely trades on its spectacle on its noise and its cinematography and its lights and this episode <coughs> nine this christmas special is not cinematic at all it's just very uh, dramaturgical the whole thing is just one conversation between two people in a diner on christmas eve and it it's very good it's very compelling and i haven't watched the the second special yet i'm that's where i am in in the series right now um but it's good. And I'm also glad that I didn't watch season one and have to wait a year like everyone because season one's finale resolves almost nothing. You get nothing. Oh, uh, yeah. That's frustrating. Yeah. 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 I don't even really know what's up, what's at stakes. Like the the dude's dad. Is that the big? Sure. I mean, there's a lot going on with dude's dad. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Dude's dad. Um, <laughs> wild. I've watched... We watched um, all to this point of Tokyo Vice and also Slow Horses and also Atlanta and also um, what else did we have? Uh, all of the Bourne trilogy. Yeah, you did text me about being fully in on the Bourne trilogy. So I only just watched the Bourne trilogy last year for the first time. You know what? I find it like I don't know if I was fully in. I was. I was definitely watching it, but like, I kind of have the same feeling that I had before watching it, which was like going into it. I was like, maybe this aged like really well. And I'm going to be like, no, this is friggin' incredible. Um, not really just kind of like action movies. I find they don't resolve a lot and that's super frustrating. Yeah. And it's pretty much the exact same thing. in all three movies really, and he's still spoiler alert running at the end. So it's like, right. Oh, cool. We've, it's really just three action movies. That's what we're getting. Which I don't think they purport to be any more than. But the, No, I don't think so either. The I first one they... has this really interesting arc about humanity where like it's a it's about like self-identity and like and who and what is my value as a as a like a meat uh uh balloon. Uh, like yeah, as a meat puppet. And so like it's actually like an interesting story about like what's going on with his brain and the rest of them are not that at all. No, no, you're right. Yeah, the first one, he's like, I need to know who I am. Like, this is an important part of 
life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of it's kind of like a like one of those movies where like you wake up with certain powers and all of a sudden you're just like, you know, kung fu. Like 100%. one of those things. Well, and it's also like the gimmick is uh, a James Bond movie or a Mission Impossible movie, but without any help. Like he doesn't have any of mm. the gadgets or the cool cars or anything. He just has to be cool with his own capabilities and like that's cool too and i guess the matrix is that and it's certainly a a wake up with these powers kind of movie but this exists in a more grounded universe there's no question like matt damon is charismatic in those movies and i like the first born movie but yeah i'm surprised you kept going through the whole trilogy and there was not a lot of stuff on netflix it was like netflix is kind of dry right now i don't know yeah oh yeah for darn sure i i find myself opening Disney Plus and Crave the most of all the apps. I think Amazon Prime is easily the worst these days. And Netflix is boring. I mean, unless you're really into Bridgerton, which that was a couple of weeks ago. I think Russian yeah. Doll is maybe circling a comeback or it has already, which I don't care about. By the about. way, did, did you know that Fred Armisen and Natasha Leon were together? Because I had no idea. For years, yeah. hearing of their breakup. Yeah, okay, cool. You did know. I, yeah. That that was like a celebrity couple that I did not know existed. I didn't know they broke up. That must be news. Yeah, it was like yesterday, I think. He has, and I don't know the guy and I shouldn't judge him, but like he's kind of got an interesting history with relationships. Like he was married to Elizabeth Moss for a very brief amount of time. And I think she's a huh. Scientologist, but also like... He has admitted that he wasn't a good husband to her, and she's been fairly diplomatic about him in the press, but like, I think maybe something shitty happened there. Wow, weird. He's, he's obviously funny, but I don't, I don't, like, have you ever listened to Fred Armisen in an interview and thought, like, I can't figure this guy out. I don't know if he'd be, like, yes, 100%. a good hang, or if, if I just find his characters funny. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's, like, the ultimate SNL artist. Well, he kind of has that quality. yeah. The other thing about Netflix is that uh, Stranger Things is right around the corner, and that's going to give them a, a bump. Yeah, yeah, they're putting their eggs in that in that basket for sure. Um, there was one other show. Oh, I watched Coda. We watched Coda. Oh, great! It was really good. I know, really, really good. Like you were, you were right. Yeah. It well, was one of those movies. And I, I absolutely loved it, and it's so up my alley. Does it strike you as an odd movie to have one Best Picture though? I was kind of thinking that, like going into it although it was very evocative for me like i was really into that movie yeah like, it's I, like it was a super i was super happy that it won best picture mm-hmm. and jen was like how did this not win best picture and i was like no i said it did win best picture she was like oh go coda <laughs> right and, and if you've seen coda especially like if you if you believe a lot in like a great family and like she's incredibly winning in it i think your name is mm-hmm. amelia jones it's it's definitely a movie to root for, but knowing that it was against Power of the Dog, which for a long time was the presumptive best picture winner, it's a little surprising yeah. that the Academy wasn't snooty enough to to snub right. Coda over Power of the Dog. But it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. I just found it was kind of um it wasn't obvious at all in the way that it came through either. Like I kind of thought like the the school um uh, uh, assembly the, the the pageant was going to be like the the final scene but it wasn't me too so like yeah. earlier in the movie they tease that she's going to sing both sides now and when she doesn't sing it at the assembly i was really disappointed and then to yeah. know that there's like a whole other thing coming where it gets even yeah. more uh oh, yeah. warm and cozy totally 
Yeah. I really love the teacher in that movie too. Like I, I I know I love that the dad won best supporting actor, but I kind of thought the teacher deserves a little more credit too. Yeah. I had no idea too, that apparently the, uh, the wife had won the wife slash mom had won best actress in like 1987 for a movie called children of a lesser God or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's Marley Matlin. She's, yeah, she's from the West wing and she's a really interesting case. Yeah. She's like regularly in the West wing. Um, no way. She's she's really cool and she's definitely like been successful considering her limitations. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if it's appropriate to call them that, but like obviously she has to re- she has to appear in very specific roles. Although The West Wing is yeah. kind of an exception to that. Like her hearing impairment has very little to do with her West Wing character other than that anytime she's around so is her interpreter, which is kind of cool. Um right. but this movie was was really made for 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 her um although she's not in it that much it's kind of more about her relationship with her dad i guess um and then the boy in that movie in coda like her boyfriend the the guy who's her uh who's her partner in the song is from sing street which i've talked and talked and talked about you love sing street yeah cool it actually uh i was thinking of sing street this week and still like i have not seen that yet so that's good to know isn't sing street doesn't it take place in like Ireland or something? Yeah, it takes place in Ireland in the eighties. Oh, and he's so is he Irish or yep. American? He's Irish. Oh, he is Irish. Oh yeah. Cool. Cool. Yep. Love when someone can pull off accent too. Like that they get points. Tell me about Tokyo Vice, because I guess I've seen the banner when I've opened up Crave and I recognize mm. that Ansel Elgord is in it. Is that not mm. doing well because Ansel Elgord is kind of an iffy entity? Nobody's talking about that show. I don't know that it's yeah, I guess I'm not sure that it's not doing well. I feel like it might critically be be appreciated, but yeah, maybe no one's talking about it. Um, it's uh, it's a Michael Mann show, which okay. is like cool. Like the guy who did Heat and Miami Vice. There's no relation between Miami Vice and, and this, obviously. Um, <laughs> but it's essentially like Ansel Elgort playing a American uh, graduate in Tokyo, becoming a uh, basically like studying in Tokyo and trying to become a journalist. He gets a job at uh, Tokyo's biggest newspaper. He's like the only foreigner to ever get a job there. Mm. And he wants to go into like crime investigation. And so it dips heavily into like the Yakuza and him like, you know, meeting uh, like basically Japanese mob members and like writing stories and kind of playing both sides and meeting the cops that also kind of like, keep the peace in a very interesting way like they they know what the yakuza are doing but are really just trying to make sure that it doesn't get out of control pretty grim or does it have any levity oh yeah no it's it's not like a it's not like um a super dark like zero 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 on amazon what a pull. no it's <laughs> it's more like there's a, a lot more levity but also it's like it's a drama yeah like, but it's it's cool. I like the story. And it takes place in like 2001 as it kind of has to, I think. I've liked so many things that feature Ansel Elgort, but rarely because of him. And so... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I've also like sometimes not liked him. Um, and it has nothing to do with like his personal reputation, just like as an actor. I think he's like a good actor, although sometimes one note. And so... I don't know. I didn't feel... I knew I was going to have to like pick at least one of the two shows that you suggested for this week, and I ended up only watching Slow Horses. Um, I think yeah. because I just didn't feel too drawn to a cop show that potentially was very noir and grim featuring Ansel Elgort, who 
doesn't have a ton of charismatic range in my experience. Yeah, there's a, uh, a few other actors in it too. Um, the the female lead from Legion is in it as well mm-hmm. as like a like club girl who like basically like works to like sell alcohol, but like just kind of sit in booths with like all the there's a whole there's a whole vibe about it, which is really cool. Um, but it's not super grim. And uh, Ansel Elgort, he's definitely not like it's not like one of those. Oh, you get so lost in what Ansel Elgort's right. doing. He's kind of more like playing the part that other people could probably play, but he does well. Okay. You didn't see West Side Story. I didn't. Yeah. That's an example of a movie that he's like fine in, but he's not what you'd come back for. Uh, like tons of people are are really, really amazing in that movie. And generally it's a great watch, but he's kind of, he's not the reason to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that this would be similar. We've finally been watching The After Party. I think I have two left. Okay. So we just watched the cartoon episode last night, I think. Maybe we watched one more after that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's starting to come together. I will say they pretty effectively keep you guessing. I, we've had hunches yeah. along the way, and then we, I've had those hunches dissipate, and I've kind of like repositioned my my suspicions. Um, yep. And I really don't know where they're going to go with the with the conclusion. So that's nice. And it's fun. I think they're, they, I know they're coming back and I know Haddish is coming back. And I saw a headline this week that a couple other people are coming back too. But I was wary to click it because I thought knowing who those people are would probably give yeah. some spoilers. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. It wasn't like, a, I don't know. I don't think it'll end up being like on my top 10 for the year kind of thing. No, but you have to you have to credit its its creativity. Like the the animated episode is a really good example. Or I I also really liked the high school party episode where they go back to 2006 and it's the St. Patrick's Day party. Yes. Like they really yeah. went all out to make that flow. Totally. Uh, although like I was so close to the time that I I was probably the most annoying viewer because I was going like that song that song didn't come out yet. Yeah. So, like that's that song is from like two years earlier. I'm not sure that I would get that much of it. Does it kind of does it kind of freak you out that they are expected to be like like 32, 33 years old? No, it doesn't freak me out. It's just like that's not believable. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean, though. Like it's just, they they strike me as like way older than us when realistically yes. they're just like a little older than us. Yeah, I mean, I would say they're like like Ben Schwartz has to be like almost forty. Ike Barinholtz has to be in his 40s. Oh, Ike Barinholtz is in his 40s yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, same with like Zoe Chow. Yeah. She's also definitely older than 32. Right. And whatever. Oh, well, who cares? Yeah, but it's fine. I watched the series finale of Super Pumped. That didn't get any better. He just continued down a road of uh, depravity and being an asshole. Mm, that's too bad. Yeah, it didn't get the buzz that it wanted to get either. I think the dropout kind of like swallowed up some of its attention. You could say the same about yeah. We Crashed. I know you watched it, but I don't think people really wanted to buzz about that show. No, I, I only watched the first episode. I didn't oh, okay. Get fully into it. Yeah, I probably could have, but but for years you've like you've always kind of had a thing about <laughs> Anne Hathaway. She was never your go-to. It, it's true. I I thought that I was really trendsetting in uh, not liking Anne Hathaway, and then it became like way too cool to not like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. And now I'm like, give Anne Hathaway a break. Okay. Like she's, <laughs> she she's seems nice. She seems yeah. nice, but also Jared Leto is is not a reason for me to go to anything. 
No. I know you don't. This isn't holding your attention. (laughs) No, I think what a (laughs) what an enormous failure. I think. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you you don't especially care about this as us, but it's like really winding down. There's four left, I think, and they have just spent yeah. at least four episodes in a row breaking up two characters that they spent most of the series putting together, and so oh. that's turned in general this final season, which I know it's always been an emotional show and at times like kind of a bummer. It's been outright depressing in its final season, and it also is supposed to be an uplifting show, and I think it's failing oh. to do that in its victory lab. Damn, I was thinking of another show while you were talking about that, and I can't remember what it was. That that was supposed, that was like a similar vibe. Yeah, that just ended up being like, oh, this is very unfortunate. This whole show is very unfortunate. Well, you could say that about like Mad Men, which gets more depressing in the in the final season. But like, that's as a result of what they've been building to. Like, it had he had right. to go through this kind of meltdown yeah, yeah. In, in order to transcend. It was like they were they were. They were building towards it, and the show had a style of melancholy to it, whereas this show doesn't yes. have a style of melancholy. In fact, it kind of disguises itself as a show that makes you feel warm and fuzzy, but also gets you oh, in yeah. touch with your emotions, and yeah. it doesn't really do that. Now they're like doing a divorce story under the guise of, well, divorce is us, after all. Like, it is, that's what it's right. like to be us as humans. We told you this was coming. This yeah. was us all along. People get divorced, and fair enough, but like, it was a real betrayal of one of the characters that they decided to completely rewrite them to make the divorce plausible. And it, it was it's right. it's kind of a shame. And now they have to pivot into their final act of the series. And I just kind of feel like I have whiplash from the change yeah. of tone. Yeah, that's too bad. Because you were like really into that show. Now, I, I wonder what the last episode is going to be about. I guess... This is us. You already know. Like, they've been cutting to it in brief little tastes for, like, right. two years now. And <laughs> yeah. and I I have always liked it. And it's an example of one of those shows where you have so much time invested that you're not going to give up now. But it yeah. jumped the shark at least three years ago. It Like, I've known yeah. for at least that long that it wasn't turning in the quality it had been. Right. That's too bad. Yeah. The other day, we watched the entire Back to the Future trilogy in one day at Drew and Jade's. Wow. Yeah. The, the idea was just to go over there for brunch and watch one Back to the Future movie. And they were going to empower me to talk as much as I wanted. And okay. then we finished it. The thing about a Back to the Future movie is they're like, they're all an hour and 58 minutes. And they go really quickly because of how little fat is on them. It's not, it's not, they're not terribly long, but it's not that they're especially short either. They're just so efficient that right. it never drags. And so you get through a movie really quick and we're like, okay, well, let's put on the next one. And I didn't want to be the guy who was like, can we put on the third also? But then they did. And it right. was just, it was nice. It was invigorating. Any any new realizations watching them all together? No, no. And we, we kind of tried a little bit to talk about some of the logistics, especially as it gets more complicated in in yeah. the second and third movies and where we would think we were finding some plot holes we eventually could explain them away they're they're really yeah. fabulous and i've spent a lot of time thinking about these things thinking about the back to the future yeah nice that's right we can talk about a little bit of news like i said there's not a whole lot gilbert godfrey died at 67 yeah so we got louis gilbert and bob saget i feel like that's a real generation of uh Norm Macdonald too that. in the last year. And Norm Macdonald. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. He, he had a heart condition. Yeah, I guess he was unwell for a pretty long time. I never watched that Gilbert documentary that came out a couple of years ago. But I think the idea was that he's a pretty sensitive guy. He's more than just this, like, crass, roasty cartoon voice. Right. Yeah, he's more than a Yago. Yeah, although, like, all the headlines say that, you know? Like, I was listening to um, Harvey Firestein on Marin the other night, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, this was obviously recorded before Gilbert Godfrey died, but he said, with some uh, ambivalence, you know, for all the work I've done, and he is like a like a Broadway legend, um, for all the work I've done, my obituary will say was Robin Williams' brother in, uh, or sister or whatever it is in, in Mrs. Doubtfire. And yeah. Marin argued, he's like, no, it won't. And like, meanwhile, I'm listening to this knowing that everybody's just saying Gilbert Gottfried was Iago and Aladdin. And that's like kind of not totally. fair. No, no, it's true. But I mean, it's just what, what he's known for. Like, people can't help that. No, no, that's true. Okay, well, uh, as long as I've mentioned Broadway legends, I don't want to forget this. We've got a couple of uh, Jade Explains the Things. <laughs> nice. A couple of Broadway <laughs> legends going at us. Well, that's what she talks about. Um, give me the thumbs up, the thumbs up if you can hear these. Okay. Jade explains a thing, and I'm surprised it took us this long to get here, but today's topic is Barbara Streisand, who already has an EGOT. Her first Oscar was for Best Actress for Funny Girl, and she also has one for Best Song for the original Star is Born. She's got a handful each of Emmys and Grammys for Barbara Streisand albums and televised concerts. And you'd be interested to know that although her work is so theatrically minded, she feels like such a Broadway lady, her Tony Award is actually a Lifetime Achievement Award, and it's not for a specific role or project. Anyway, this has been Jade Explains, Her Majesty, Barbara Streisand. Sand. She pronounced it correctly and everything. Perfect. I'm not surprised. I'm pretty sure we even said that surely Barbara Streisand has has an egot. I will nitpick and say that it wasn't the original Stars Born. There are four Stars Borns, and at least one of them had Judy Garland. Whoa, Sweets explains the jade. Uh oh, uh oh. Okay, she she has more to say about egots in general. This one's a little longer. Okay. Them. I feel like I also want to just add to the discussion about EGOT winners and like which one we think is sort of the hardest to get. It's a collection of awards that I feel like is like particularly congruous with musical theater composers. So like the list of EGOT winners is like really populated with like big name musical theater composers who like won Best Musical and then their musical was turned into a movie and then there was some kind of like televised concert special that wins the Emmy. And then obviously like those albums win the Grammy. There's a couple of Grammy categories that seem to me like they're really made for actors who really want to get the four. For example, I think both Rita Moreno and Audrey Hepburn won their Grammy, which they're both EGOT winners, and I think they both won their Grammy in the like spoken word category. Like they like recorded the documentary spoken voice recording. Audrey Hepburn's might even be children's programming. And while I agree it feels like Tony is like the most sort of like out there category because that deals mostly in live performance, whereas all of the other ones mostly deal in recorded media. I would also add for your consideration that Whoopi Goldberg won her Tony for producing. 
She was one of the producers on Thoroughly Modern Millie, which won Best Musical in 2002. Thoroughly Modern Millie, of course, being Sutton Foster's big break, Sutton Foster of younger Jen's fave, as we all know. Anyway, I think if you find yourself winning an Academy Award and an Emmy and a Grammy, an enviable position to be sure, if you really want that EGOT like so badly, I think all you have to do is just like throw some of your money into being a Broadway producer and you can get there. Anyways, I also think it's probably become more difficult for these musical theater composers to win the Emmy because it seems like they don't really do these big televised concerts of someone's work in the same way that they used to maybe. Anyway, as someone who's never won anything ever, I'm going to say you're welcome for my expertise. Is Younger the show with Hilary Duff that Jen watched? Yes. Is that what that means? Uh, I think Jade is absolutely right. There are like, and this is really in keeping with our conversation about like someone like Riz Ahmed making a short film. And it's not fair to, because I don't know anything about that movie, but like there are cynical ways for actors to win, say, an Academy Award, as it turns out. And I, I think what she means in terms of the Grammy category is that you can like narrate your own audiobook and have nothing to do with the music industry and win a Grammy that way. Right. And and when you, even when you say Riz Ahmed, like making, uh, you, there's a couple different things that go through my mind. It's like, did he like conceive of this idea? Right. Did he like make it with like, here's some dollars, go make it. And now I've made a thing. Or is it like, I directed it. I wrote it or someone else. I, I don't know. That's exactly the difference between Kobe having an Oscar for a movie that he shepherded all along and yeah. Shaq and Steph Curry having an Oscar that was made by a guy from Halifax, by the way. And they oh, just crazy. saw this movie and they put their names on it to get it more attention. And absolutely, their street cred got it over the finish line in terms of award season, but yeah. none of their artistry did. And so it's mm -hmm. it's kind of, it speaks to the racket that is awards culture in general. And right. it is a racket. You were uh, speaking of just a quick NBA detour. Your boy LeBron James didn't make the playoffs for like the first time in his career. <laughs> My this boy. Year. Uh, what what accounts for that? Is it his fault? A lot of people would say it was a combination of um, him trying to be the GM, bringing players. One of the players mm. that he brought was Russell Westbrook, who people started referring to as what Russell Westbrook because he's just been like Throws bricks. And shots all yeah. season. And um, the coach was also not so good, but like LeBron did nothing to protect him. He was like, he was being asked in his last press conference, hey, the rumor is you're about to be fired. Have you heard this rumor? Oh, <laughs> like, it was just rude. so brutal. Wow. And he was like, uh, yeah, I've heard the rumor. Like, it must be tough for someone like LeBron to know where where the line is <laughs> <Stop> there. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not tough to be LeBron in general, but like the pressure and knowing where the line is because he is more than almost any other professional athlete expected to be a leader to a certain degree, but he also doesn't yeah. want to like um, step on anybody's toes. And so yeah. clearly he's struggling to find that line. Plus he's a big, powerful totally. man. Right? And, and also like, yeah, are you supposed to speak on everything or are you supposed to pull, like most people hear like LeBron's opinions or tweets now and just kind of like roll their eyes because yeah. he's a lot of what he says is like, it's, it's, it's all very self-serving for him. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Is he also a little weird about vaccines? So he was critiqued. I just found this out a couple of weeks ago. He was critiqued by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for um, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was like what LeBron has done, like, you know, for 
like the black community and like starting a school and sending like thousands of kids to to uh like college basically with or like giving kids free education and building facilities for them and stuff that's absolutely massive but like when he he kind of said early on about covid like it was just a flu yeah but i mean like yeah what what he should have known was that obviously like what he says goes and like kareem abdul jabbar was like you know the history of like vaccine hesitancy and our community it was like a big deal so like lebron saying that set it back really far. but i think he kind of made up for it but yeah in kareem's books uh, lebron's still not like hasn't completely made good are you able to clock at all how effective your own vaccines have been like knowing how lousy you felt for a few days I guess, I mean, you can't really, you have no frame of reference, but like, are you able to gauge at all, like how much worse this would have been if you weren't fortified? Well, I will say like Alex, now different variant and stuff, but a couple of years ago, Alex got it, lost his taste Mm. for like, you know, months and months and months and isn't sure if he ever really got it back, like fully back kind of thing. Jen's aunt, same thing last year. That didn't happen for us. Um, we rolled through pretty quickly, you know, had like body aches and stuff. And, and, and Jen yeah, did have it too. I guess I should clarify that. I assumed she Jen, did. Jen yeah. has it right now. Yeah. 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 Um, and maybe even like worse than I did. Like she's coughing more than I am. Um, my, I had a sore throat that was like really bad for two days. And then by the third day, I kind of like went away. Like I was having to actually like take Tylenol. Like mm. that's kind of a rare thing for me where I'm like, oh, my body actually hurts. Like I need to take a Tylenol. Um, and the other thing, I like the diabetes part of it. I wasn't quite sure how, how that was going to play into it. Like would I have less effectiveness because I'm immunocompromised or sure. what? Um, but uh, I, I think like i'm happy i got the vaccines i would never be like oh, oh yeah. like you know i'm sure it minimized certain stuff and like helped me get over it so like absolutely I'd do it all over again um but yeah the the like blood sh- when you're trying to fight an infection usually blood sugars go higher mm. so i was taking i was like upping my dosages by like 50 percent kind of thing to to like combat the like super high blood sugar and it took oh. me like, a little bit to be like i'm just gonna raise everything that's kind of stressful it's like to have a whole other metric to have to keep on track of. Yeah. It's kind of a vicious cycle too, because like the higher your blood sugar is, the harder it is for you to fight infection, but your blood sugar goes higher when you're trying to fight infection weirdly. So you got to like keep it down. Yeah. Right. Bunch of, bunch of crazy stuff there. But, but now like I'm starting to see it level. So that's also a nice like indicator for me of like, okay, cool. Infections, like basically yeah that's true most people can't so effectively quantify their healing from a bug yeah because yeah they just have to kind of feel it out totally in that way i'm like cool well the worst is definitely over um and now so yeah i just have like a little congestion still and uh that's pretty much it like having to kind of like clear my chest every once in a while it's so funny because my dad all along as soon as we got it, he was like, uh, try not to let it get in your chest. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> and, and we were like, okay, I'm okay. not sure we can. I'll try my that. best. And then, and then dad asked, like, I, a couple days ago, he was like, is it in your chest at all? And we were like, yeah, <laughs> a bit. Like, we're kind 
Oh, you blew it. He was like, keep an eye on it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, as if you're otherwise like going about your day and you might along the way forget that you have COVID. Like, don't forget to consider that you have COVID in your chest. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're doing a little bit better. Mm Mm-hmm. No surprise at all that The Secrets of Dumbledore is a franchise low for an opening weekend. No surprise. No. Yeah, that's they've really been trying to put push the media machine behind that too, like all kinds of ads and stuff, and it's just not not happening. I think okay. they, they really burned some people with their last installment, I think for sure. The rolling of it all doesn't help, although I think the vast majority of like uh, hardcore Harry Potter fans, that won't be the reason they they don't see this movie, but there's just no urgency. We've all kind right. of recalibrated how urgently we need to see certain blockbuster movies, and it sort of stops yeah. after like James Bond and Spider-Man and maybe yeah. a few other exceptions. Like you, you would think that Harry Potter would be among that, but I don't know. Eddie Redmayne doesn't really have what keeps us coming back, and they, right. they swapped out Johnny Depp for better or worse. And just, it kind of seems like a bit of a cursed franchise and it doesn't yeah. surprise anyone. I don't think that they're not making the money they thought they would. No, no, you're so right. And it's probably a little freaky to Warner brothers that they have to make two more of these things. Plus now they have a little problem with Ezra Miller. Is that his name? The flash. So he's, a pretty prominent villain in the Fantastic Beasts movies. And he's turning out to be a real handful handful behaviorally. Like he got into this fight. He got jailed over in Europe for some reason. And and I guess they held like emergency boardroom meetings about like what they should do with the Flash franchise. No way. Yeah, because he's supposed to like front one of the DC movies and he's been around for the Justice League and everything. And they've got a lot of money invested in Ezra Miller, who by the way, is not an A-list movie star. I think they're like hoping over time that he'd get there and everybody knows who he is. He's had his like toes in a lot of puddles, but he didn't yeah. quite make it and he was, he's was he got some allegations against him and now his behavior is just proving to be too much to handle. Has there been a more like cursed franchise? Than Fantastic one? Beasts? Yeah. I mean, you could argue that No Time to Die had just as much fraughtness true but that was just one movie of a of sure. like um, an entire series this one it seems like you know like johnny depp and yep. then like the jk rolling stuff all happened like in between that and actors were filtering out and the right but one was just kind of a bomb that only clouds over two movies of what is either a three movie franchise or arguably like a 13 movie <clears throat> franchise like all, right. all of the Harry Potter movies True, were yeah. successes and the first Fantastic Beasts movie was a financial success and it wasn't half bad either. It's all right. just started to get bad since after the first Fantastic Beasts movie. And by the way, one of the problems, removing her politics, one of the problems is that she's not a screenwriter and they have to stop letting her be one. Right. What was the thing where, like... Someone said on a podcast the other day that she officially jumped the shark when she said like that before toilets, wizards would just like shit on the floor and make it disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Like this was an actual thing. Right, ma'am. This said. is a Wendy's. Nobody asked. Yeah, like, <laughs> absolutely no. <laughs> you know, wizards used to just make it disappear. <laughs> it was the same with the Dumbledore uh, expose post Deathly yeah. Hollows. Everyone's like, cool. Nobody asked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
so I'll see that someday, maybe, but I, it's not anywhere on my schedule. Uh, we're kind of cuckoo for Kuoko, I think, right? Yeah. Um, it turns out that she lost the part in Knives Out 2 that went to Kate Hudson. And I'm like excited for Knives Out 2, but I'm not really excited for Kate Hudson. And I kind of wish that it was Kuoko. Yeah, that would have been, it seems like that would have been a way trendier pick. I think she took it hard too. Like that was, that was the headline. And she might be promoting flight attendant season two or something. And somebody asked yeah. her and she's like pretty bummed to have miss, missed out on a Knives Out opportunity. And totally. I'm also a little bummed to have missed out on her in a big deal movie opportunity because I like yeah. her in spite of actually not being a fan of anything she's ever done. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. She seems cool. Yeah. Yeah. And she should, it's time for her to transition cool, cool. to something yeah. a, a little, I mean, obviously HBO and doing like a violent whodunit show is different from Big Bang Theory and eight simple rules. But like if she could be in something that actually has some cachet, I think mm -hmm. that'd be great for her. Totally. Yeah, she she could be she could definitely like be in a franchise, like a solid franchise. Well, and they might they might get enough juice out of this little headline that they decide to put her in Knives Out 3, or maybe she gets put in like White Lotus 3, or she gets put in right. After Party 3, or any one of these other ensemble whodunits that are popping up in every corner. The next Indiana Jones. <laughs> no. No, that's not a whodunit, and they shouldn't make another Indiana Jones. <laughs> I could see her fitting that role. It's so obscure. You mean she could be Indiana Jones? <laughs> no, no, she could be like the the like really independent woman that Indy meets. Eight simple rules for dating my teenage Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dating my teenage archaeologist. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the one. They're making a spirit Halloween movie, which means my spirit Halloween poem is no longer the the most high profile artistic content created under that brand. Your Halloween movie starring Christopher Lloyd speaking of Back to the Future and also Rachel Lee Cook. They're making like a, a movie, probably a Netflix movie about I think it's like a Halloween comedy and it takes place in a spirit Halloween after hours. Awful. This awful. is an awful idea. Awful idea. Why did Christopher Lloyd agree to it? I don't know. It seems like a ridiculous idea. Paycheck, maybe. Wow. Um, you know what's super dumb, speaking of Christopher Lloyd? Uh, Jen was watching really quickly uh, No Strings Attached, that Jennifer, uh, Natalie Portman, Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher vehicle. Yeah. Which was actually like written and directed, I think, by Ivan Reitman. Okay. All right. Weirdly. We've maybe talked before about how it... it it seemed to be the lesser of the two movies, but actually, low-key, it's the better of the two movies. Well, it seemed that way, but it's actually not. It's definitely not. Like, at the ending... Ugh, it's you flip-flopped so much on this. Both movies it's are, like, are just, like, schmaltzy rom-coms. No, the, but Friends with Benefits is way, way better. Okay, all right. all right. I'm going to um, test you on this next year and see if you say the same thing. Absolutely. Okay. But one of the weird things, and this is because Ben is, like, a chronic rewatcher of things, um, the dad in that, like Ashton Kutcher's dad, who's like a famous actor, he is a, um, he's recognized and people are quoting to him, great Scott. Oh. I'm like, what a lazy phrase. As if it's his catchphrase? Yes. 
What? Like you could have literally used anything else. Why are you using one of the most famous catchphrases from any franchise? Or any catchphrase that already exists. Like, couldn't you just come up yeah. with one? Yeah. Like, why wasn't it just like, hey there, how you doing? Like, it <laughs> didn't have to be great Scott. That's so dumb. That is so dumb. Anyway, it was just one of those nitpicky things where I was like, great Scott. I deeply resent that. Back to that officially yeah. makes me a Friends with Benefits fan. Of course. As it should. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies that you wouldn't think would be any good, but who knows, they're starting to have some some credibility. You know that Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, who, by the way, are like partners in real life, are yeah. making the Barbie movie. Oh, okay. Yes. And right. so right there, you start to question, like, is this going to be a cynical, like, Rihanna in the Battleship movie, or is this going to be some kind of really biting lampoon about capitalism? Well, and Amy Schumer was supposed to be in it, and then she bailed out, and now it's Margot Robbie. Right, which, and... I mean, I like Margot Robbie. It's not even that I have anything against Amy Schumer. It just seems like you didn't know what movie you were making if those were your two choices. Like, that, you're not doing the right. same movie if those are the two people you toggle between. Right. And now a big deal is the fact that they have this other actress who I... Who is it? It's like... Her name's Emma Mackey. She's... Emma Mackey. There are a handful of women, frankly, who could pass for Margot Robbie. Like, okay. like Jamie Presley and Anna Ferris and Emma Mackey. Yeah. And there's, like, a couple other people who, like... They all kind of have some kind of quality that's similar. Um, yeah. And, uh, and definitely Margot Robbie is the Charizard of them. But they've, they've, <laughs> but they've got this other one now, and, and it would appear that that's going to play a role in the movie, the fact that these two people look the same. And maybe it's just the fact that like a, a lot of kids had Barbies that, that all looked the same. One of them's going right. to be like Dream Home Barbie. The other one's going to be like Dr. Barbie or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I gotcha. Ryan Gosling is in this movie which also mm -hmm. gives it like a curious amount of credibility. Um, yep. Will Ferrell is in this movie, as of this week we know. Issa Rae and Michael Sarah. So the cast rocks. Mm. And also the, the, the pedigree behind like the, the making of the movie really rocks. And so I don't know what to expect yeah. from this thing. Probably more so than Spirit Halloween. We're definitely going to try to make it say something yeah. more than Spirit Halloween. <laughs> we were doing, did a, a quick... Uh, Jen said she saw a Goosebumps t-shirt that she almost bought for herself. And I was like, did it say, viewer beware, you're in for a scare? And she was like, no, but I wish it did. Yeah. I totally would have bought it. But then we were talking about how scary Are You Afraid of the Dark was. And then we were looking up the top 10 scariest Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. Yeah. And some of them are just the freakiest. Really? So you watch them on YouTube or whatever? No, no, we look for them. They're only on like YouTube premium. Have okay. to actually pay to watch them. They wow. used to be on Netflix, I guess, but but we were like, oh, we should try to find them and watch them. But the like write ups and the pictures of them, like, there's no way this should be like one of the people straight up looked like Voldemort, Ugh. and I was like, this was on YTV, and it was like I forget what it was called, but I never terrible. never watched it because I knew from yeah. a young age that I would find it too scary, and that and I, I knew on some it. level also that it was embarrassing to find it scary, and I didn't want to know that about myself, and so I was yeah, like, let's I just steer clear. Watch the commercials for it. It was <laughs> tough. I found Wishbone scary sometimes. Like I found <laughs> I found like Hey Arnold episodes scary when they would do like a Halloween theme. I was a wuss. Right. right. Yeah, Wishbone. <laughs> 
Wishbone went on some pretty pretty scary tales. Oh sure, he had adventures. Braver mm-hmm. than I, that Wishbone. <laughs> Liz Sheridan died, Jerry Seinfeld's mom from Seinfeld. She was also yes. Raquel Achmonic from Alf, which is how I knew her. I watched a lot of Alf on the Family Channel when I was a kid. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Raquel Achmonic. Yeah, they were like the neighbors. Gotcha. Yeah. What a name. The nosy neighbors who never knew that they had an alien living next door. And so it was like, uh, it was always part of the the comedy of errors that like they had to hide Alf when, whenever the nosy Achmonics came a knocking. The Achmonics. Yeah. Knock, knock, Achmonics. Exactly. Yeah. That's all I have for entertainment news. Okay. Um, you want to talk shows? Well, we can talk show. I only watched Slow Horses and... I, mean, I can recap it if you'd prefer because I know you've seen a bunch of them. Having said that, I won't do a good job because I was pretty confused at times, but I can do my best. Oh. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I'll yeah, let I'll just do a high level overview. I don't know that I'm gonna be able to get like exact details from that first episode, but I can give a, a decent breakdown. Let's we can go. skip the clock if you'd prefer. Sure. Let's just let's just talk about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so basically, um, Oh, what's the main character's name? Do you remember? Riley? River. River. So River is, um, the, the show starts with this like very intense action scene where River's trying to uh, uh, find the suspect in an airport, track him down. Um, he realizes the info that he's actually been given, or he thinks the info that he's been given by the kind of coordinator back at headquarters was wrong and he said like white t-shirt blue shorts or something and it was actually like white shorts blue t-shirt or whatever right so he's like tracking Um, this guy who's boarding a plane and he's got mission control in his ear and they're like very it's very tense and they're trying to find the right guy who presumably has a bomb in his backpack before he gets away and they realize that in fact they actually pin the guy down and they shake his backpack out on the tarmac and it's and then they realize they've screwed it up and got the wrong guy Right. And they, yeah, they tackle him. He's, he's the wrong guy. Then they find out, oh, we had the wrong info. It's actually this guy. So uh, River needs to, like, they're like, stand down, River. You're done now. But he keeps, like, trying to go after him. Right. Um, eventually, like, catches him after knocking over, like, everyone in this airport uh, and, uh, like, throwing down a security guard. And then in the end, you find that the, uh, he, well, he gets to the he guy. Fails. He gets to the guy, and the guy like sets the ball off. Yeah. Then you learn that that was actually just a. Uh, it was just a, a training test. training was, module. It was a yeah, training module that he failed. So he's basically sent to go to Slough House, which is like the MI five like scraps. Like go here. Like if you messed up an MI five, you go to this like little dodgy house. The idea is that it's like you, you haven't done a thing that's enough to fire you, but you're also a huge liability. And so they give you a lousy desk job. They basically placate you under the supervision of drunken, slovenly uh, old dog, Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman. Yeah. And uh, Gary Oldman's kind of like he's, he's running the show there. He thinks everyone's an idiot, but he's also like an old drunk. Um and uh yeah that's that's pretty much the show well also Uh, it matters though that uh they kind of deem what river did as even too egregious to be in slow horses and so he like but he kind of got like a pass because his grandfather is an important like he's a legacy basically his grandfather jonathan price is like an important old spy yeah 
Yeah, but yeah, so because of him, he ended up like being able to to go to Slavs. Um, I feel like something else happened in the like. Is there an inciting incident in the? Well, this is the problem I had. It's like I, the show in the pilot anyway, it never lives up to its cold open again because the cold open is so good and so compelling, yeah. and then it's very talky talky for the rest of the episode, which is fine. But there's like pretty heavy accents, and I got a little lost in in all of the logistics and also the people they like introduce a lot of characters in the opening thing yeah and to be honest i realize now that the opening sequence was a training module but even when watching it the show obvious. it wasn't obvious like they said something obvious. in in like the first 20 minutes that suggested it was a training module and i was like hang on is that right and then later on it became a little bit clearer but for one, it kind of neuters the tension of the opening sequence. Like it, it, whereas the show felt like the bodyguard with Richard Madden, which like has a lot yeah. of that kind of tension in it, and it's real high stakes tension. All of that comes away knowing that it wasn't real, and also it makes it a little less believable that he would be like so notorious for having screwed yes. up this badly. If all That's he did exactly was all he did was fail a training module, like, and he's known far and wide as being one of the great screw ups of MI six. Yes. Yeah, it's a training module. Yeah. Like, you can't get kicked out for failing a training module. That's training. Right. It's not like everyone would know his name and, like, whisper when he walks by. It's just like, right. yeah, he, he he did a bad job, but it's not like people actually lost their lives. Right. So, can I fill you in on basically what the rest of the series is? Well, maybe don't give me too much because I'm not, I'm not convinced I won't continue with it. Because it, okay. it, it does have something, and I... And you can yeah. confirm or deny. I suspect it probably doesn't stay so sleepy every no, episode. No, not at all. Yeah, it, it's it's actually like like the bodyguard is a is a great comp because it's it basically is that with yeah. kind of more interesting characters and more levity. Like it definitely has a lightness to it. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like it's kind of the role of a lifetime for Gary Oldman too. Like it's yeah. Let's it's talk so about about Gary Oldman, who is making his television debut essentially as a series regular. Yeah. He's never been a series regular on TV before. Obviously, he's one of the great actors ever. Um, and it's and it's believable that he's like playing a kind of dumpy guy, and so like that's why he looks like this. But if you picture what Gary Oldman looked like in Batman, it's hard to wonder. Yeah. It's hard not to wonder if maybe he like wasn't able to shake some of the Winston Churchill off. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> he doesn't, yeah, that's, that's he looks horrible too, in like, this show. Did, did he intentionally gain that much weight? He has like he a square go? neck no. in this show. He looks terrible. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he really committed, but I think more like his his body kind of gave up burning fat. Right. But he's he's interesting in it, and it's like kind of funny. I think maybe Jonathan Price is not going to be in the whole series. Is that right? Uh, who's Jonathan the, the grandfather, like the older, he's like kind of a. Oh yeah, now he's he's kind of like he he might show up a couple more times, but to our generation, I he's he's Governor Swan. But I kind of feel like he's in yes. like this great period of his career where he's always been a good character actor, and now he like turns up in the two popes, or he turns up in the wife, or he's like a great actor, and he seems to be able to do whatever he wants. Can like get whatever he wants? Yeah, there's there's a couple people like that where I'm like. They're like J.K. Simmons level. Of yes, like, he's, oh, they could easily be in. He's like, comparable to J.K. Simmons. He's British, and I think he's less silly than J.K. Simmons is capable of being. Yeah, but he's totally. he's as good. Yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. So you're a fan. I'm a fan. I'm in. I, I give him my ass. And what about like some of these other people? So there's this 
kind of run down office where they all work and there's a, a band of of merry misfits there's a the girl from sound of metal and there's the the tech right. guy who has like 12 monitors and he's a bit of a shyster and so are they all going to yeah. play an important ensemble role yes they are they all kind of get together explain to me the metal safe thing that he tries to pry open in the bathroom stall and he burns his hand Oh yeah, so that that was just like a it's like a safe specifically for laptops. It's like an electromagnetic. But what light. was he trying to do? This is the problem that I had with the plot of the episode. Beyond him having failed his training module, which happens in the first five minutes of the show, I wasn't really yeah. sure what water we were treading for the rest of the episode. I didn't know what was going on. Well, he's trying to take any chance he can to get back into the good graces of like MI five or sure. like solve any potential crime that because he's getting like you know, the the slops of everything. Like he's literally digging through garbage to try to like find clues. To, so he's taking any opportunity he can to try to solve that crime. So he's like, he knows that he's delivering an important piece of evidence. So he wants to like get the intel on it. So that's why he was cracking into that laptop. Okay. And then there is another plot, which I guess is kind of the climax of the episode where there's some shady characters stalking these other two guys. Like one of them's a stand-up comedian and the other guy's like his friend. And then they get kidnapped in the end and they get thrust into the back of a van. Does that ring a bell? Uh, no, that's actually not. <laughs> there's like these shady guys who are like tracking these other two young dudes. And I couldn't tell if one of the young dudes was the guy who was in the training module. And by the way, side note, like it felt it's also akin to the bodyguard, which took some heat for this, but it felt a little dicey that like he gets two Middle Eastern guys confused uh, in the yes, airport sequence. Yeah. Like, and I know it yeah. was it's played as like a staged event in this show, right. and so that takes some of the gravity off of it. But like, just the idea that they're using brown guys as terrorists in their opening yes. sequence is is very dodgy, and the bodyguard got in a lot of trouble for it for making so, brown guys the the bad guys. So are they guys, are they just two random characters that get kidnapped at the end? Well, like I said, I struggled to be able to give you much context because I was kind of, for one thing, we had turkey last night and so I was in a major turkey coma, but also nice. I, I I couldn't tell you who they were. But do you remember like there's this weird short scene in a comedy club where one of the guys is on stage and he's like kind of has the crowd. But then he tells like a oh, like yeah, a priest yeah, and a rabbi yeah. go into a bar joke and everybody gets pissed because it's so hacky. Right. And then he and yeah. his friend leave and then they get cornered by these guys in ski masks and put in the van. Yeah, you're right. I don't know where what happens with that. Okay. So, yeah, that's a. That's a real blind spot for me. I, I have no idea. Are you done? Is it over? No, no, oh, it's not that. Okay, anything. all right. Yeah, you know they have already filmed season two. They already have it in the can. Oh, great! Yeah, so it's good to go. Yeah, I think they plan to do okay. more if they get greenlit. Nice. I hope they don't sit on it like forever. Like wait a few months. Well, that. exactly. What we got coming up on with Stranger Things is it's not exactly the same because we have waited years for Stranger Things season four. But I'm so psyched about this new model where you put out half the season and then six weeks later you get the other half mm. of the season. I think that's yeah. the perfect combination. Right. Oh, yeah. Barry comes out soon, speaking of that. Yeah. Yeah, we get Barry and the end of Ozark. So what happened at the end of Barry? Um, Fuchs tells Henry Winkler that Barry killed his girlfriend. And so I it, think it's so. not they're, they're going to be on to each other now. 
Yeah. But also, isn't isn't Winkler in like serious trouble? Well, I think, yeah, we, I think we ended in the woods and we have Fuchs chasing after Winkler. But I think rather than Fuchs killing Winkler, he I think he's just him. going to turn Barry again, turn him against Barry because now he's mad at Barry, right? Right. right. Yeah, that, that could just be it. That'd be good. I, I do give Slow Horses my my S. I thought it was really good. I guess it's based on a, on a novel. That kind of got me wondering, what is the state of spy <coughs> novels nowadays? Like we've talked a little bit about Lee Child books, James Patterson books or whatever. Those are right. those are like drugstore thrillers. I don't mean to be reductive, but like I, I feel like we're not in the John Le Carre era anymore. And I wonder, right. are there like high quality spy novels anymore? Or is that genre kind of dead? It is a spy I show. Know, like, yeah, I've never I've never really watched or I've never really read any spy novels in the first place. So I don't really know the world of spy novels and the John Le Carre. Like I've never got I've got never there. read uh, an action novel. Short of like hmm. Harry Potter or yeah. Lord of the Rings. Like I've never read, right. I don't even know how you would write a book that isn't people talking in rooms. Right. And then Alex yeah. Cross did a bunch of running until he caught the guy and they were both sweaty and then he punched him in the jaw and then he won. That doesn't seem like a right. very good read to me. But then there was a huge explosion. Yeah, like the idea of action is that it's cinematic, but maybe that's yeah. an incredibly uh, ignorant thing to say. I don't know. I'm with you. Thanks, bud. <laughs> I got you back. We've definitely uh, hit the lull in the in the post slap news cycle. I think that's probably for the best. Still being talked about a little bit, but everybody's yeah. bored of the topic now. Like Jay Leno was kind of like the the newsmaker in discussing it when I googled Will Smith today. Like I guess he, really? I guess he said that he found the incident disturbing, but he found Will Smith's rage more disturbing than the slap itself, which is actually what you and I said. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I kind of find that we're all talking about the slap when the screaming was just as troubling. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's a, a hot take. No. No, probably not. But that's all. Like, There's nothing more to say about it. No. Just he's like obviously blacklisted. Could be kind of tough not to come blacklisted. up with Will Smith news because like, I mean, I guess we could just talk about like Jada and the Red Table, but I don't really want to do that. It seems like he's going to be quiet for a long time. Maybe 10 yeah, years. Well, like I said, I we no longer have to justify it. We can always just say never trust Will Smith and no one has to be like, I need context. It just seems crazy for us to be like in the midst of doing a podcast and being like, what's the state of spy novels right now? Anyway, never trust Will Smith. (laughs) That's okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean there. Um, Yeah. A lot of people have shared my, my opinion on the like, never having to like not getting to go to the Oscars again being like that's not really a punishment in the first place absolutely not I'm like you mean this place where like he's obviously not going to want to go like I feel like Jost did a, a whole segment on that yes he said exactly the same thing you're absolutely right speaking of Jost SNL was on last night and I didn't even realize until like five minutes before we started recording yeah Lizzo she did a double double duty and I guess I knew that that was coming up but coming into this weekend I just never imagined that there would be an SNL on in the Easter weekend. So I didn't, I didn't even watch that. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. a great point. Why did they do it this weekend? They take like two weeks off at a time and it's always around holidays. Well, and they are going to take a couple of weeks off now, I think, but then come back with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I don't know. How, how was it? How it was Lizzo? Did she do it? I didn't job? watch it. Oh, okay. All didn't right. watch it. We have it recorded. We usually watch it like Sunday nights. All right. Well, we can talk about that some other time. Uh, I'll probably, I'll probably see you in person next time. 
Sure. Yeah. Hey, how crazy is it that I was like, Hey, I probably shouldn't come over. Like, I didn't think I was, I was positive at all. Like I had that ignorant, like, well, it was the same thing with my parents. Like I was like, "Eh, I should probably stay home, I guess. Like, again, like not expecting to be COVID positive, but there's a bunch. Totally. So like, I saved some people, man. Well, I'm a a true hero. You are a hero and you're training to become one. So this is just solidifies that. If you remember, you kind of put the ball in my court and I was like, and I hate doing, I I hate doing Zoom podcasts, but I just had a hunch. I was like, no, let's just be responsible here. And uh, I think we both made the right call. Well, you're the hero of that. I'll I'll take it. Yeah. Um, Although I think it's probably lurking around every corner and uh, that'll be stressful. Part of me is like very accepting and resigned. And then another part of me like still has all this residual anxiety we were trained to have. Which is probably the yeah. same cocktail of emotions most people have right now. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Like when I was like, oh, I have it. It was also like, wait, is this going to be real bad or is it going to be okay? Right. Who knows? And then still, there are some people who don't have much to say about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Work has remained fairly uh, detoxified. I don't think there have been any new infections in the work community, which is good. But I don't know. Guess we'll see. Stay safe out there, folks. Well, rest up, take care, be well, and uh, I'll see you soon. And never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith!